Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, just just generally speaking, how is training camp going for you? Oh, great. I mean, um, you know, I spent uh, the last couple of days in Warsaw, Truman Lake. Covered it from my uh, the dinette of the trailer. It was excellent. So you are still getting some trailer time in during training yeah, camp. I love, absolutely. I love, love to hear that. Uh, we have been pumping uh, at Arrowhead Pride yes. every day, been heading up to St. Joseph, making the, the long drive, making sure that we get the observations on Twitter and, and the site. We have our full team covering all these press conferences. It's, it's, it's getting exciting, John. We, we are within yeah. seven days from the Chiefs' first preseason game against the Chicago Bears. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? It just, you know, we spend all this time waiting for it. And then all of a sudden it's logarithmic. It just kind of goes crazy all of a sudden. And there's things happening. Yeah, I've I've noticed a little bit extra juice at camp this year. And I, I think sometimes when you have a team that wins the Super Bowl, right, there's excitement that that goes with that. But I, I think mm-hmm. there is a little bit of the thrill of the chase. and And I think the Chiefs now haven't done it in these two seasons and they were right there. And so I think mm-hmm. fans are, are hungry. And I also think that there's some added excitement in the fact that this is really offensively a, a new look team, right? Mm-hmm. With Tyreek right. Hill leaving yeah. where you have these new skill position players. And I think that's one thing I'm excited about on Saturday. And we're going to get to questions that we have about this team, but man, it, it's been a really long time since, you not only had one new offensive weapon to to look forward to seeing for the first time, but you can make a case the Chiefs have at least four in the two mm-hmm. rookies and yeah. the two wide receivers. And uh, we will be having full coverage for, for this game happening on Saturday at noon at ArrowheadPride.com. All right, first things first, as we do every week on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we got to go to the reviews, John. All right. And... We had two one stars, and if, look, if you leave one star, I'm not reading it. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I don't appreciate the one star. If you love the show, now that they've dropped two one stars on us, we need more five stars, so please go mm-hmm. and do that. But I'll read the one five-star review. I really started enjoying Pete's comments and questions during team meetings, especially during COVID, as Pete was the only one with a great mic and made listening to others unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Compassion Six. Fast forward <laughs> and started listening on Apple Podcast and discovered other great pod updates. I really like the Brits. I really like hearing a completely different perspective from the fans across the pond. Mm-hmm. Keep up yeah. the great work. Speaking of the Brits, Tottenham, one O and O. Me and me and Tom now have a rivalry. I'm a Tottenham man. He's an Arsenal man, and oh. we will continue to to follow along with the Premier League. But look, that's their show. We we talk about just American football. 
on this show. And so we have to get to the news. So this is the plan for today's show. John and I are going to go through some of the headlines that we have uh, had here at arrowheadpride.com during the past week. So we have actually a lot to talk about, it looks like. And then we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to get our training camp questions going into the preseason game, number one, since we won't talk to you until the Monday after the preseason game, mm-hmm. when yeah. we will have some of those juicy, marinated takeaways. <laughs> I know you missed them, <laughs> so we'll we'll have plenty of those. We're going to bring in Steve Serta, who's working behind the scenes right now for this first segment, but he'll, he'll join us for segment two to ask some questions of his own steve will sometimes you know we, we 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 let him on periodically and he adds a little bit of, of spice to the show and really he he shows no fear in going against something that i say which i i think makes for a better podcast john so steve will be be joining us for that second segment all right let's get to the news so the chiefs held a tuesday practice indoors and gary jennings uh his head went through a window um <laughs> crazy story I, I saw this and it was crazy we the you know i don't need to i don't want to go on this negative tangent about missouri western state or, or where the, sure. the chief yeah. training camp but it, it's it's not a good enough place for for the the chiefs to have indoor practice when when they need it the, the walls are too close to the field and these are world-class athletes so what happened was gary jennings was running the catch a pass wide receiver i would say he's trying to make the practice squad of this team let's be honest sure. but yeah you know he's going all out he's trying to make one of those 16 practice squad spots and there's a what you look like a, a garage window type of situation there's like a panel anyway or you mean runs, like a garage door with a window in it okay yeah is that runs, what you mean yeah all right. yeah he ran into a garage door and and his head bounces off the glass. And if you've ever seen a car spider web, it was it was like a thud and and the window spider webbed. And I I'll tell you, this was in the moment. This is before we that we knew that Jennings got a concussion from this. But I, I'm pretty sure Travis Kelsey screamed. Hell yeah. Like <laughs> this was a a good th- and we are indoors so the reporting guidelines change so i'm not even sure the reason i didn't put it in my observations is i wasn't even sure that we were allowed to talk about it and now that right i've yeah. talked about it whatever i mean that's that's what i'm pretty sure it was kelsey uh and it was i think because it, it, it it's a little congested in there it was a chippier practice i i noticed and like again again i'm not sure how much you're you're supposed to say but i noticed one of the first team defensive backs hit a, a first team wide receiver a little bit late and you know pat was kind of saying to the first team defense let's relax we're all teammates and and, and things like that so uh, the chippiest practice was one that wasn't available to the fans but i would tell you john i don't know if it would have been as chippy if it were outside in the fresh air right well i can tell you a lot of people have asked me about that about the the situation with jennings and how they could possibly have a window so close to the field well the answer is it's a college facility they don't have the budget that the chiefs do right to put together an indoor practice facility and if they're going to travel to a training camp situation then that's what you're going to get you're going to end up in some college facility that isn't quite up to the same size standards that you'd have for an indoor facility in the nfl and stuff like that can happen well a very interesting story i'm glad I'm glad I put that on the list today. That's pretty cool. So, so Jennings remains in in the concussion protocol. We have a a growing injury list, and and I think that's something I I want to pivot to right now. So I just I just came back from 
what was the Monday look, a 10-10-10 practice, which if mm-hmm. you traveled from Kansas City up there, I'm sorry to you too, because there's not a lot that you could take away from these 10-10-10s. But we have an injury situation, I think, that is worth talking about right now. So Rashad Fenton and Lucas Niang are still on the PUP list. Jody Fortson has now missed more than a week of practice. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Jennings and his, his helmet going through the window. Taylor Stallworth, the knee, and then wide receiver Darius Fountain. And, and to me, the most concerning injuries on that list, John, are Rashad Fenton and Jody Fortson, just because I think the Chiefs thought Fenton would be ready, and he wasn't. And so I was yeah. thinking, okay, well, maybe a week or two will pass, and, and we'll see him. And I, I doubt he's going to practice this week. I doubt he'll be available for the game. And I feel the same way about Fortson. I think the next day to watch for these guys is the first practice after the game, which I believe would be monday monday right Mm -hmm. i don't i don't foresee these guys um playing and uh that that stinks because fenton is a a player the chiefs frankly need Uh, joshua williams has showed out at camp uh and and trent mcduffie is going to be a day one starter as he should as a top 25 pick in the the nfl draft but they need fenton in 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 a way of of a little bit of a a safety net i think and then with fortson it's just been a a bummer you don't need fortson as bad as you do fenton because you have the greatest tight end in the league and you got a lot of pass catchers we know who the chiefs brought in the offseason but uh, i think we were so eager to see him in in a real right. look and we won't we won't get to do that at least on saturday we think we I, and and i think specifically with fortson i think people are rooting for him i think people love a story like fortson's where he's a practice squad player for a couple seasons and you know, yeah. then gets a chance and goes on injured reserve and then comes back. People love those kinds of stories. And I think people are pulling for him to to show something to, you know, actually I build think, an NFL career out of this deal. It's, it's very it's very upsetting to see this I, happen to him. Yeah. And I, I think the Chiefs are just using extreme caution because sure he's been watching practice and I've seen him lightly jogging. I think they're hesitant to throw him right back into a game situation because they can't have it happen again. Right. So like any worry that it's, it's going to be serious and he's not going to be back. I think it, it it's, it's not true. I, I think he will be back and it's, it'll probably be on Monday, but I, I don't think the chiefs want to put him in this intense tackle situation where you're now playing another team with a lot of guys who are trying to make their own roster in Chicago. Sure, and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you lose Jody Fortson for that first part of the season. So, they're being cautious, and and again, I think Monday is the day to watch, and Fenton is someone I think that is important as well, and we'll continue to monitor what happens with Rashad Fenton. Fenton had the offseason shoulder uh, cleanup that he has been remain, remaining on the PUP list along with, with Lucas Niang, who is a whole other story, and nothing's really changed in Niang. We, I still tend to think he's going to start the year on the PUP, but we will see. Okay, Wednesday, John, you, you have this as the next headline. Uh, Justin Watson, the wide receiver, has emerged uh, as a player to watch. I, I've felt strongly about Watson during OTAs, and, and it seems mm-hmm. like now that yeah. camp has begun, people have, have caught on. Uh, this was a guy, and this was the key part of it, and you can listen to From the Podium right here on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network. When Dave Tobe says this guy can be our Marcus Kemp, he's going to make the roster, right? He might be the <laughs> sixth best receiver yeah. in that room, but – Dave Tobe has those last few roster spots, and I think Justin Watson will be on this team. Well, you know, I wasn't sold on Justin Watson until I read your piece, and you really sold me. I mean, as I thought it was really well argued the way you presented it, and after mm-hmm. reading it, I thought, you know, Pete's right. This is this is going to happen. Now, of course, something else could happen between now 
right. and the final roster cut down. You Injuries get happen, hurt. You know, we just saw yeah. Denver with uh, Tim Patrick. Lost right, years. right. Look, so we don't hate the Broncos, but terrible to see. I mean, that can yeah. happen in any camp. So, you know, we could be surprised. We can always be surprised in a situation like this. But I really thought she had a strong argument there for for Watson on the on the final 53. Yeah, I just think he he does a lot for special teams. Patrick Mahomes likes him. I think there is some offensive upside. I think similar to his role in Tampa when it was the Jameis Tampa, when there were injuries, he stepped up in, in those mm-hmm. particular games. I yeah. think he could, he could step up in a game or two if you lose one of these receivers. Uh, and and to me, I, I think he is viewing it as, look, I'm doing everything in my power. He wants to be his ultimate utility man on offense. I think he he mentioned if one of these receivers has a untied shoelace, he wants to take advantage <laughs> yeah, of that one play. That's a good quote. Is a big quote. And and so again, I like Watson to make this team. What's weird about this is, I could see that the Chiefs keeping six receivers. And and I I made a similar point the other day with Steve and one of our training camp reports about the running back room. Like, you're really wondering who's going to win RB2. And for this one, I think you're really wondering who's going to be the wide receiver five, whereas Watson right. feels like the sixth man. The sixth man you know what I mean? And, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's weird that you have that phenomenon where you know, well, Pacheco's probably going to be RB3, or at least that's where he's starting. He's definitely on this roster. I feel the same way about Watson as what would be your, your sixth man there. Mm-hmm. So Next headline, Willie Gay Jr. has said that he wants to lead the NFL in interceptions. I will tell you, he looks very comfortable at training camp uh, in my looks, and he actually looks slightly improved in coverage. And I always, I already had thought he looked pretty good. And mm-hmm. I, I like the defensive swagger that we have seen this year when it comes to going to the podium and just making a promise. Juan Thornhill goes up there. He says, I want to be an all pro. Yeah. Mike mm-hmm. Dana says, I want to have five or six sacks, which by the way, would be huge if my yeah, had five really or six would back yeah because he's probably going to be third or fourth on this team that means the other guys uh, and uh, have more sacks and this was a unit that finished fourth to last in sacks last year sacks aren't everything you want pressure but you need you need to be better than that and mike dana would would play a huge role if he's able to achieve his goal and now you have willie gay jr and saying he wants to lead the nfl in interceptions when it comes to linebackers i, right. I just like the I like the swagger and I like putting it on the table. Well, for one, it leads to better headlines. But to me, (laughs) I think making your goals known, it it holds, hold yourself accountable a little bit. And that's a big goal. I mean, that's a, that'd be, if he were able to pull that off, it'd be astonishing. It'd be terrific. It would mean the defense is doing very well. I mean, you're going to, you're going to have a linebacker with uh, more interceptions than any other linebacker in the league. That's going to, that's going to count for something in how well your defense is performing. And, and I'm with you there. I really like the swagger of that. I like the goal. Um, and I, and he's actually shown that he's got the capability to do that. As he pointed out himself, uh, he came close to having four last year. Mm-hmm. And you could argue five or six was was within his reach. He just didn't come in with the passes. So, you know, it's it's very exciting. I think that he he made that that statement. Man, you you talk about interceptions and forced fumbles and, and turnovers. I think the Chiefs need more of that now that they're not as explosive mm-hmm. without Tyree Kill. The more times right. you put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, the better, especially in a short field. And so, again, just really like that energy from Willie Gay. Also on Thursday, Prince Teguanogo came off the active PUP list, and so he has been back to the mix, working as a, a third team tackle the road for Winogo to make this team I think is is 
it, it's tough. Uh, I think yeah. they're, they're pretty deep in, on, along the offensive line. You have the draft pick. I, I think Broderick Johnson and Jaron Christian are, are making this roster. Mm-hmm. And so to me, maybe it's a depth guy that, that lands on the practice squad. That's probably about the best we can expect from him. And I think that's interesting because, you know, several months ago, uh, we were leaning on him as maybe a guy that could be could be competing for a starting role because we didn't know how this was all going to play out. And this is an example of how uh, perceptions change over a period of time. They bring in some veteran guys that maybe you haven't heard of, but they've yeah. got NFL experience, and they're out there, uh, you know, getting those snaps while Orlando Brown Jr. was sitting on his couch. And and so now I think uh, fans have a little more comfort with guys um like uh like these guys because they they've seen that they can actually play fairly well maybe not up at an all pro level but they're depth players we don't need or expect that from them we just hope we don't have to go an all depth offensive line like we did at the end of the 2020 season speaking of the chiefs bringing in veterans at positions of need carlos dunlap had his first practice with the team he is still in a ramp-up period. These have been limited looks. I don't even know if Carlos Dunlap is going to play on Saturday just because I'm I'm unsure if he's going to know enough of the playbook by mm-hmm. then yeah. to feel comfortable in a game. Maybe they do throw him out there for a few snaps just to get his feet wet, but I, I don't see him playing a huge role against the Bears. I, I think it's a key player to bring in. Uh, speaking of sacks, I, I'd mentioned how the Chiefs were fourth to last in sacks last year. All, all Carlos Dunlap has done since 2011 is register at least six sacks, and it's usually more than that. Yeah, if you heard the press conference with Dunlap, he actually said this guy says I had six sacks, but I want eight. So I might have ticked him off a little bit. You're welcome, everybody, because uh, he really wants to have uh, at least uh, eight sacks this year. He said, and and the interesting thing about Dunlap, and I heard this at the presser, and I'm like, what? is he said he part in part picked the Chiefs because they see him as a three-down player. And, yeah, you have Chris Jones that's that's out there for a lot of the game, right? But generally speaking, it, it's a huge rotation that, that mm-hmm, East Bagnolo right. uses. And I'm like, is this at the beginning of the game? Does Dunlap think he's not going to check out? Because he's going to check out a lot. And, like, did they did they maybe tell him something that, they they can't back up a, a little bit there. So I, I was intrigued by that part. That's always a possibility. You know, I think that part of that discussion has to do with his contract. We didn't know much about it initially. Right. And uh, here in the last couple of days, we've gotten a little more information. Now, over the cap and spot track both agree on his salary cap figures uh, for the coming season. He's making essentially the NFL minimum uh, for a player with his experience, I think it's $1.12 million. And then he's mm-hmm. have his, has a, a signing bonus that brings that total to 3 million even. So yeah. it's like a 1.9 million signing bonus, something like that. And so that's his guarantee. Apparently his, uh, his salary is guaranteed for this season. And then the signing bonus, of course, he gets no matter what. So he's down for $3 million. We know it's an $8 million contract, so the rest is in incentives. Yeah. Now, since all, none of them count against this year's cap, they're all not likely to be in earned incentives. I think what may have happened here is the Chiefs picked out a, a figure that happened to be low for him last year as one of these not likely to be earned incentives. I meant to look that up today and I haven't had a chance to do it, but suppose they said, if you start with more than four games, 
let's say let's say that's the the thing and he only started three last year yeah well that seems pretty likely to dunlop and so he's uh, you know and he thinks oh yeah i'm going to start four games and i'll make another two million dollars and then he's then he's getting the money that he got last year which mm-hmm. is exactly what he would have wanted in that negotiation but then again, they could be really high incentives. You know, if you get 10 sacks, you get a million dollars or whatever. I also so. think, yeah, I also think when it comes to to Dunlap, he maybe took a little bit less from the Chiefs. Yeah, One other idea. thing that, that stuck out was he said that he's played a lot of football. It's been over 10 years in the NFL. He's never won a playoff game. You can oh, win huh. a playoff game in yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, so, sure can. Yeah. 2021, eight and a half sacks. In 2020, he had six. And reading down from that, from 19 and beyond, nine sacks, eight sacks, seven and a half sacks, eight sacks, 13 and a half. He he gets to the quarterback, and right. and and the Chiefs haven't really been been doing that recently in recent years. I'm optimistic mm-hmm. about the line. I I do feel good uh, about Frank Clark, which which leads me into my next point here. I, I've said, I think I've talked about this last week, but I'm after Frank had that press conference and he said, I'm a, I'm a change player. I came into camp having given up alcohol. He looked like he like lost between 10 and 12 pounds. And then people were worried. Okay. And I know they've made fun of him on show and BK calling him skinny Frank, but (laughs) Steve Spagnuolo says that it is a slightly different version of Frank Clark, but he still has that strength in his legs, which I believe. And these speed rushes, have made Frank look like a younger player again. Mm. And he's reinvigorated. He gets a little bit of life from coaching up George Karloftis. It's just, it feels like a different player that could be ripe for being able to turn back the clock. I don't want to sit here and promise that because we've seen right. so many poor yeah. games from Frank Clark. Right. But as far as the mental approach and the preparation, he he has done everything that he possibly could and he's feeling good. So We'll see. I, I know I'm maybe jumping the gun here, but I'm hoping he gets a few snaps in that preseason game because I'm ready to see him against a, what would be a, a starting offensive line. Well, we should see some. I mean, the, the Chiefs always. So. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, we should, and and they tend, I think, also to leave the starters on defense in a little bit longer because they're rotating them so much anyway. So we might f- see Frank Clark, you know, on the field for more of the game than we see. You know Patrick Mahomes. I do want to say have something one quickly. Series. I do want <laughs> yeah. to say something quickly, and you can continue. I did not say jumping the gun on purpose in in reference to Frank Clark. I don't. Oh, okay. I, that, was, that, that was a complete accident. So go yeah, ahead well, and continue. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. There'll yes. be people. You'll probably get a review on that subject if you don't clarify. As long as it's five stars, you can tell me to <laughs> f off for all I care. John. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be very interesting to see what he can do, and I think that. You know, if we go by previous experience, we'll see the defensive starters a little more uh, than we do the offensive starters. And so that I think that'd be very interesting to see what he looks like against the starting offensive line in this game. And the Bears have already said that they're going to put the starters out there. They were kind of nonspecific about how long, but uh, they are going to put their starting team out there to start the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I can see the Mahomes unit getting about two series and probably the same with the first team defense. They do like to get them some looks, get their feet wet a little bit. And then as camp goes and as training camp goes along and the preseason goes along, they'll, they'll play a little bit more in those ensuing two games. Well, uh, the, if Chief- the chiefs get a touchdown on their first drive. The starting offense is sitting down. We yeah, know, I agree. That, you yeah, know, I, I agree. If they go three <laughs> and out, sometimes I'll, I'll let them ride again. Right. Yeah. Another 
transaction, the Chiefs signed wide receiver Devin Gray. Uh, this does not seem like someone who will stick. It actually seems like almost like a favor of sort. I, I looked at, at Devin Gray, and he was on the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL. He wasn't even the leader in receiving yards for the USFL team. So a, a strange signing here uh, for the Chiefs, but nonetheless, uh, a new receiver that probably is in the mix for, again, a practice squad spot, if anything. Yeah, the other side of that news story is uh, DeAndre Baker, though. So that's right right there. Right. Okay, yeah, let's go right to that one, and then we'll get to the next thing. So the Chiefs end up waiving DeAndre Baker for Devin Gray, that USFL wide receiver. And this this is, I think, a disappointing ending to, I think, a player that had a lot of high hopes and a lot of fans were behind, and and they go and get this first-round pick. And I don't know, it's hard for me not to wonder if he doesn't break his leg in that game would have this mm-hmm. would this have been a player for him because at that time and i believe that was two years ago now but at that time i was starting to convince myself that they maybe you will use baker in the playoffs right and mm-hmm. then right. it didn't really ever happen right because he, he broke his leg in that week 17 game and i don't think he was ever really the same since i think the chiefs released him and or i should say waived him in order to to allow he wasn't going to make this team because they're they're actually pretty deep at defensive backs, especially right. young defensive mm-hmm. backs. Right. They've drafted five. They brought in Lonnie Johnson. And so I think this gives Baker another opportunity to to land with another club uh, and one that has more room when it comes to the 53 man roster and and cornerbacks. And it gives the Chiefs an opportunity to play their uh, seventh rounder, Nazi Johnson, a little bit more. They've mixed uh, DiCaprio Boodle in, Jalen Watson, and another draft pick. And so it uh, makes sense to to cut ties early, and maybe Baker can land on his feet. Well, you know, you you characterized uh, the Devin Gray signing as a favor, and maybe that's what the DeAndre Baker uh, release yeah. was, too. Uh, you can characterize it as a favor. You know, you're not going to make this team, so let's let you get out there and find a place uh, where you can be effective. Um, I don't think they dislike the guy, and I agree with you. I think that if he had played well in that Week 17 game, if he'd shown out against a good competition of a, an NFL team playing at starters, which is what that was, the Chargers are out there trying to win and the Chiefs were coasting into the playoffs, he might have played uh, a significant mm-hmm. amount of time in those in that postseason. So I, I agree with you that that I, broken leg was a big deal. I remember Sam Madison being like he looks pretty good against Tyreek in practice and and yeah I'm paraphrasing here but never really showed or the coaching staff never really had those type of high compliments for him after he came back from that right Mm -hmm. leg injury and I just I wonder if it it threw his career a bit off kilter there but uh we will see where where Baker lands I I think it could be in Miami with Madison now that he is is down there working for that coaching staff because he was especially high on, on DeAndre Baker. So something to watch. Dick Vermeil was inducted into the Hall of Fame and Andy Reid went to congratulate him in person, which is why we got that Friday, Saturday schedule switch on training camp. I think Andy Reid at the last minute decided he would go visit his buddy here. And you could tell that Dick Vermeil really appreciated it because he mentioned it in the speech. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, it's interesting though, because, you know, Andy Reid often goes to the Hall of Fame ceremony on Saturday. But in this particular instance, apparently he thought he would make a greater impression on Vermeil, make a nicer gesture to Vermeil. Mm. If he went on Friday, we can actually spend some time with him at the uh, the dinner on Friday night mm. for the Hall of Fame inductees rather than just be in the audience for the thing. So that was I thought that was pretty cool. 
yeah. that he went to the trouble to arrange it that way so he could make a nicer gesture, which Vermeil really appreciated clearly. Yeah, and and again, former Chiefs coach getting in, and Andy Reid commented today just how many people had to congratulate him, and it took him forever to get on stage. You can hear that at, on from the podium, and kind of a nice laugh at, at the the media tent today, just just talking about Vermeil and and what he he means to Andy Reid and and what he meant to the Chiefs, and and certainly coaching for fifty years and and getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So congrats to Dick Vermeil can read all about it from our John Dixon right here at arrowheadpride.com. The Chiefs signed Matt Dickerson, a defensive end, releasing uh, linebacker Calhoun. And uh, again, another minor transaction. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, uh was not thrilled about how the offense performed on Sunday. I had mentioned it, I believe, on, on our training camp report, but I'll, I'll say it again. The Chiefs' first team offense had three straight false starts. In a fourth and long situation. And Andy Reid just said, get off the field. He said, Patrick Mahomes, take your offense off my field. And it was a bad practice. Eventually, they kind of clicked toward the end in a, in a seven on seven. So yeah. this is a rarity that you see the offense perform as bad as it did. But hey, this is what training camp is for. Not to use that cliche, but it's to get the kinks out. Right. Uh, yeah, you, that's bad. You know, it's just bad. But, I, you know, I appreciate that Andy Reid said, get your butts off the field. You know, I think that's uh, a, it's not something we tend to hear from Andy Reid. He doesn't mm-hmm. behave that way most of the time. So uh, one of the advantages to that is that when you come to that moment where you want to do that, it carries a lot more weight. And maybe that's just what they needed to hear at that moment. And uh, so I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Eric Bieniemy, of course, looked at the positive side of everything <laughs> and and said that the Chiefs will learn from that, and you can take a lot of life lessons from some of the adversity they went through on Sunday. We'll see how they do in, I, I agree with you, John, what we anticipate to be one or two series against the mm-hmm. Chicago Bears yeah. on Saturday. Speaking of that game against the Bears, we have questions. John has questions. We're going to bring in Steve. Steve has questions. I have questions about this team heading into their first preseason game against the Chicago Bears. We will ask those questions and talk about them. Next, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, and now we bring in the Arrowhead Pride audio producer, Steve Serta. Steve, before we got on, Lily, it sounded like, Lily, by the way, his dog, sounded like she was upset about something. Has everything calmed down behind the the glass? Yeah, now she's laying right in front of my desk, just snoring. You can't hear her snoring, but you could hear her uh, freaking out when somebody else was walking a dog down the hallway in my apartment See, building. A lot of people have wind guards on their their mics. Steve, with his dog, has a snore guard, and uh, we're happy about that. All right, John, uh, we'll get started with you. Uh, you. You know, you've got a lot of the the experience here, so we'll go with you first. Uh, what is your burning question heading into preseason game number one? There's been a lot of talk about. Uh, not much talk about Trent McDuffie in this uh, this training camp uh, period that mm-hmm. we're being through, uh, that we're going through, because uh, you know he's a cornerback. Uh, the headlines always go to the wide receivers, and if you're a good cornerback and Patrick the Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing the ball your way, you don't make the reports coming out of training camp because he's going to a different receiver that's more open. So sometimes no news is good news, but there's still a question in people's minds. And we also know that McDuffie as a smaller corner 
right. is going to be most effective when he can really hit people. So I'm very interested to see what he looks like against uh, the stronger competition of a real game, if you can call a preseason game a real game. At least they're hitting each other. Yeah. And uh, see if that makes a difference in what we see from him. And, and maybe it'll make people, uh, you know, a little less anxious about it. I think Trent McDuffie had quieter start to camp. Didn't look as good as I I thought he should look as a first rounder. I know that look, everybody has, has growing pains in the NFL. Uh, MBS with his size was picking on him a little bit. And I think in recent days he has looked a bit better uh, at training camp. And, and look, that happens with, with any, any rookie. I, I think it is a little interesting that Joshua Williams has seemed to get more press than McDuffie has. And that could change in, in this game setting. The Chicago bears, by the way, have some taller receivers. So, Speaking of being undersized, Byron Pringle, who, who we know well, six feet one, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, I believe is six five, Nikhil Harry, who came over from the, the Patriots, is six four. Uh, so perhaps we will see McDuffie against some of these taller receivers in one on one situations. I think that's going to be important for his confidence to do well when he is against mm-hmm. a, a taller yeah. NFL receiver because you, you are an undersized cornerback. So Let's see how you fare in, in, in those practice reps. I will say this about McDuffie, too, because we've talked a ton on the training camp reports about how it seems like we're just not talking about him. And when we mm-hmm. do talk about him, it's kind of negative. I think he's the kind of cornerback where he needs game action. Like He yeah. needs game action for you to really evaluate yeah. what you have in him because right. he likes playing physical off the line of scrimmage. He likes bumping and trying to slow those guys getting into their routes. And you don't always see that when you're just playing against your teammates because you don't want guys to get chippy and be like, why are you playing me all physical off the line of scrimmage, man? We're on the same team. And so it's hard to get that style of play in practice. And so I think it's really important for him to see that in the game. All right, Steve, we'll we'll stick with you. What is your first burning question heading into the preseason? Uh, John went with the cornerbacks and I'm going with the wide receivers. And it's really just... I want to get an answer to some of the wide receiver depth uh, on this team. And, you know, you've talked about Justin Watson a ton, and we think Darius Fountain is going to be a member of this team uh, solely probably because of his special teams ability. But I I want to see how they're going to utilize them. I want to see how they're going to deploy them. And I know preseason game one, probably not going to see a ton of MVS, probably not going to see a ton of Juju Smith-Schuster, but we could see a lot of McCole Hardman. Like we could yeah. see a lot of Sky Moore. We could see a lot of these other guys who are who are really trying to fight for roster spots, like a Josh Gordon. So I'm just curious how they deploy them, and, and curious if we can get a, an answer a little bit more to how they might actually rotate this group of guys during the regular season. Because even if it's even if the starters only play a, a series, I still think that you can take something away from the way they rotate the rest of the group. This is just my opinion, and I alluded to it before, but I, I think Watson is making the club. And so now you're talking about four or five guys vying for the one spot. And I think this game, to your point, Steve, is key because as you go along here, the Chiefs' first-team offense, typically what Andy Reid will do is he'll give the first-team offense the first half next game. And in the third game, typically they'll go into what is the third quarter. So there'll be less and less opportunity for those depth spots, once you get past what is is game one, and man, I I think Josh Gordon needs to go out and have a good game Saturday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think yeah. that that 
he knows from did you guys hear that press conference today i i'm sitting i'm sitting there and this guy does not think he's making the roster i mean i'm telling you that i i can mm-hmm. i can sense it and i think he knows how important saturday's game is for him you know you talk about a, a gamer i think he needs to make a, a couple plays and maybe not even just for kansas city but maybe he's you know, they, they say that everyone watches the preseason all across the league. Maybe he's auditioning, if he is, cut by the Chiefs to, to land with somebody else. I think that's a great point, Pete, because I thought the same thing when Steve mentioned Josh Gordon when he was bringing up his point. It's like, oh, there's a guy mm-hmm. that we haven't seen in a preseason game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we didn't he wasn't on the team a year ago when these preseason yeah. games were coming up. And this really could be a great opportunity for him to show what he's capable of doing, not just for the chiefs, but maybe as you said, for another team, I'm a little concerned about fountain because of this weird Mm. injury situation that he's going through. Well, you know, they said it was a groin one day and then the next day it was a finger injury and he had to get Mm. x-rays. And then he came back on the field the next day. And then today yeah, he worked all the way through practice yesterday, and then today he's on the sidelines again. Got the groin again, yeah. Yeah, this, this has it's, been a weird situation. It went yeah, groin, very finger, yeah. and then back to the to the groin. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I I'm I can look into this tomorrow, but I'm I'm not sure if it's the same side. I I imagine it is, but I don't know that definitively. But you're right. Yeah. Fountain is a player, and I saw this in OTAs when he was missing OTAs, and we didn't really know why. He's a player that needs to be on the field if he's going to make the yes, team, right? Absolutely. Like Fortson actually could stay on the, the PUP and, and maybe not even play to the third game. I think he's on the roster. Fountain needs to be on the field. I think Corey Coleman has had his moments at camp, and Cornell Powell actually has had his moments at camp. And so I'm also sort of curious as to what they do. But you're right, Steve. I, I think the depth wide receivers, this game is, is very key for them. My first question is, what are we going to see at first team right tackle? What are we going to see at second team right tackle? Because mm-hmm. this has been a, a situation where we went into camp thinking that it would be Andrew Wiley versus the fifth round uh, pick, Darian Kennard. And there had been those those rumblings nationally. It, could Kennard win this job? I remember saying on this show, man, it feels like he's even the favorite. And it really hasn't been the case. Andrew Wiley held the spot. Uh, and was the only right tackle that the first team saw until two days ago when Jaron Christian got in the mix and got an opportunity at right tackle. And then I saw a weird rotation on what was Monday's look today, uh, and it was Wiley sliding in to right guard and allowing Christian to uh, play right tackle for half the first team series. And what was odd about that was Trey Smith was coming off the field and I'm pretty damn sure Trey Smith is the starting right guard. So I think they're starting to try to maybe get Wiley rotating a bit more because maybe he isn't going to be the starter and maybe they want him to be this ultimate swing guy. Remember he can play left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. Uh, and I think they are high on, on Jaron Christian and we'll see if Kennard maybe begins to get in that mix right now. He's predominantly just been that second team, right tackle. So this wily Christian battle is suddenly emerging. And I'm curious as to see how the, the chiefs operate it with, with it on Saturday. It seems like I make this point all the time, but the chiefs love Andrew Wiley. I know. <laughs> and they I do. think that's always something to remember when we're having this conversation. It's very, it's very, yeah, is that they love this guy. They love his attitude. He's coachable. Uh, he does what he's told. He, he works hard to be versatile 
It could be just as simple as that. They wanted to give him some snaps at guard. So he's had some snaps at guard recently in practice, and it's got nothing to do with anything else. But it might not mean that. So, uh, you know, I think it's fair to ask that question and uh, it, it will be interesting to see how, how this game plays out in, in that respect. Uh, maybe we'll have an entirely different idea of what's going on after we see this game, but I always, you know, keep it in the back of my head that the, that Andy Heck and the chiefs love, love them some Andrew Wiley. And I think that informs a lot of decisions here. Yeah, and he's got an underrated Twitter. I just pulled it up, and, and recently he's tweeted a whole lot of swinging and banging, hashtag UFC 271, officially 0-1 in credit card roulette. So he had a, he got looks like he, he got a, a new trading card, and he tweeted out, bing bong, this was leading into camp. And I've said it before, but his Twitter profile says his Madden rank does not define him. Uh, Madden is not kind to uh mr no. Riley when it comes no. to, to hit the ratings no. but he, he doesn't care he look he he's he's got a, a great twitter he loves video games and uh and look we're we're rooting we're rooting for andrew wiley i don't know if he's necessarily the the strong point of of the chief's mm-hmm. offensive line sure. but I, I look his best role is in this emergency pinch you can put him anywhere right i mean right. ideally yeah. he's your sixth offensive sixth offensive lineman but hey they're given an opportunity to to, to keep that position uh, I had mentioned that he started that really it was against the New Orleans Saints where he just had to play there due to injuries. And he's been pretty reliable for the Chiefs. Like, obviously not the most ideal player at, at that position. You know, you, you'd maybe want to be a little bit better there, but a, a reliable player for the for the Chiefs. All right, John, we'll swing back to you for another question heading into preseason game one. Um, yeah, um, when we go into this season, we thought that the Chiefs are going to make a lot of moves at defensive end. They said they were going to, and that's what yeah. Brett Beach said. And we got a first-round defensive end. Okay, that's a big move, right? Yeah. But we didn't see a lot of other stuff until uh, until Carlos Dunlap came on the scene here, just like in the last week. So I've always been wondering if the Chiefs were expecting a lot more production than we knew were, was possible with players like Malik Herring and Joshua Kando. So that's yeah. my question here is this is an opportunity for these guys to get some real snaps. We haven't mm-hmm. seen Herring at all. Herring um, and Kando, to your point, have had quiet camps. And yeah. people so, were especially optimistic about Herring, maybe less so about Kando. But yeah. Kando, you heard more about last year. This is a raw player we'll see in year two. Right. Now we're in mm-hmm. year two, and you're not really hearing uh, talk right. about him. Well, and there may be reasons for that that we're not aware of. But uh, so this is an opportunity for them, just like Josh Gordon. This is an opportunity for them to get into a situation where they can play at game level mm-hmm. and go after guys, even if they're the third string guys on another team and show what they can do. So I'm very interested to see about that, because in the back of my mind, I was thinking the Chiefs were expecting more production out of them than we saw last year. In Herring's case, the bar was set very low because he was <laughs> injured the whole time. But uh, Kando did get some time uh, even in the regular season. So I'm very interested to see what they do. It is curious because uh, Kando's a guy they drafted, but Malik Herring was a guy that you know, had a little bit of hype around him coming in mm-hmm. to oh, yeah. training camp. Yeah. Because, he, looked, he looked great during OTAs. Yeah, and he's he's a player who you know what was a higher prospect than, than he wound up being coming into the NFL. Like He had a higher ceiling, a lot of people thought. 
and it just doesn't seem like it's manifested now. So I, I think it, it is interesting that he's a player we have not talked about at all. And yeah, we, you, like you mentioned, we were talking about him a ton during OTAs and I guess Kane does just not somebody I ever expected that much from. And if you got anything from him, you were like, awesome. Like that's mm-hmm. cool from a late round draft pick. <laughs> that's right. All right, Steve, we'll stick with you for your next question. So my, mine kind of has to do with that defensive end position too. And really it's just, is George Karloff just going to be the starter opposite of Frank Clark? Um, right. I, I know they're working Carlos Dunlap in slow. And so maybe it's too early to feel like we have a definitive answer there because maybe mm-hmm. they're going to keep doing this where he's going, they're really going slow. He's a veteran and they know he can pick up the defense. So they don't want to overwork him in training camp. But I think if you bring in a player like what Carlos Dunlap has done in his career and what he did last season on one of the worst defensive lines in football in Seattle, if George Karloftis can still manage to be the starter with Dunlap being like a rotational player, I think that says a lot about what they think of George Karloftis. And I know he's a first round draft pick, but if he can actually hold off Carlos Dunlap and be the starting defensive end come week one of the NFL season, I think Chiefs fans should be really excited about that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think I think what you'll see is is Karloftis getting some time there. I, I don't know how much we we should be talking when it comes to Karloftis and Clark and, and not mentioning Dana. And I know like maybe they maybe that'll make Chiefs fans roll their eyes, but I think Dana's gonna get what might equate in a rotation type of thing of of a lot of defensive end snaps this year. And something I've noticed, and, and this is if you're up at camp, you've probably noticed this too. This new Joe Cullen line is a little bit more multiple uh, looks than it might have been for the daily line. And you've seen multiple defensive ends lining up at once in different positions. Sometimes they'll kick Dana inside. Sometimes you see Chris Jones at outside. You know, they they've really been mixing it up. So as, as to to make sure that the offensive line really can't predict who's coming where, you know, are they doing stunts? Mm-hmm. Is there is there a games situation happening along the line and so dana is a player that's interesting to me too not the sexiest name but we just talked about it before he wants to have five or six sacks this year and like we said how much they love andrew wiley on the defensive line they or on the defensive side they really like mike mm-hmm. right right when i was working on that piece about tershawn wharton the other day i was i knew there was a that uh spagnolo had talked about how much that that the wharton had impressed them uh during the zoom uh, meetings during the pandemic, and I'd forgotten mm-hmm. that they felt the same way about da- about Dana. Yeah. So this is a guy that they've been high on right from the moment he walked in the door, and they still are. So yeah, we could we could see some interesting things there. But I, I think you're making some excellent points here, Steve. That um, you know we're in a kind of unusual situation here, and it goes back to the point I was making about the incentives in Dunlap's contract. You know, they may have told him, we expect for you to start for the first half of the season and then move Carl Aftis in there. And uh, so you're going to get more starts than you got last season. And, and we're going to make that an incentive for you so you can go ahead and make this money and we can put it on next year's cap. And the agent and the player said, hey, that's great. You know, so that may be what they expect to do. But who knows? Maybe Carl Loftus will come out here in these preseason games and be much more effective than they realize, and he'll end up starting when the season begins. It's an excellent question, I think. 
this was a defensive line that really felt like it lacked depth and lacked an important veteran player. And I, I think now we're mm-hmm. feeling better about it, but that's mm-hmm. something I think we'll all be watching in their looks, probably limited looks on Saturday. Uh, we're up against it. I know we got to get out of here because of scheduling today. I want to just mention, I think this is the beginning of Ronald Jones versus Jarek McKinnon. I think this is a real battle. I think the chiefs might be keeping three running backs and that fullback. And if they're keeping three backs, I think it's Clyde. I think it's Pacheco and they're going to keep one more of these guys. I guess you could say that Derek Gore could be in that mix if he if he has another special preseason game. But my last question is, and what are we going to see from these new players, Sky Moore and Isaiah Pacheco? I had mentioned online that I, I think that Dave Tobe wants to see Sky Moore as the punt returner. He's already named Isaiah Pacheco as the kick returner. And these guys are going to get opportunities with the ball in their hand. And I'm telling you, they have a chance here if they put on some undeniable film of really carving out roles when nobody necessarily was expecting them to have these type of roles this early in Andy Reid's offense. Isaiah Pacheco, to me, is someone we know the organization likes. He's drawing comparisons to Kareem Hunt. You want to see him against real opposing defenders with this Chiefs offensive line because, let's be honest, the Rutgers offensive line is not the Chiefs offensive line. So let's see him with a pro offensive line. And could he, with the ball in his hands, make a case for – uh, being your second running back, maybe over a Rojo and or Jarek McKinnon, could he be? Could he be the guy that behind Clyde Edwards-Helaire gets the next amount of touches um, when it comes to running backs? I think he has that that potential, and I know the organization is very very excited him excited to see him in action. And we've seen Sky Moore doing a, a lot of the the stuff that we saw McCole Hardman doing when it comes to the sweeps and whatnot uh, at practice. We've seen his connection with Patrick Mahomes. I think Moore and Pacheco are going to have grand opportunities this preseason to say, look, we understand that we're rookies, but you're going to play us in this offense. And I think it starts on Saturday. I I think we can be honest about the Rutgers football program. It's one of the worst (laughs) programs in the country. It's, it's, it's as bad as Kansas. Like it's on par uh, with the Kansas Jayhawks football program. So that, that doesn't mean that you should be worried about Isaiah Pacheco. I, I am with you. I can't wait till, we just see him in game action. I just want to see how explosive he looks with other NFL players, because yeah. that's all we've been talking about is how exciting he looks, how good he looks in it, in all facets of the game, whether it's blocking pass, catching returning kicks. I just want to see how explosive he looks next to other NFL players. Yeah. I, you know, I've been very interested this week that uh, Dave Tobe is talking about. And I think you're right. Pete, I think he really wants Sky Moore to be his punt returner, but he's putting this on a guy who's never really done it, and yeah. I think that's very interesting. That, he dropped that, a punt today, too. I, yeah, I, I, that that he's that he's not going with somebody who had some experience in college doing it. Hardman had at least had some experience doing that kind of thing in college, but uh, apparently Moore has not, and I could see why he would be physically and you know with his uh, skill sets, his traits. Uh, be a guy who'd be really good at it. I just think it's interesting that Tobe wants to go that way instead of getting mm-hmm. a guy that's got some experience. Surely well, I, they have people on the roster with more experience uh, in returning punts than than Sky Moore. I think the thought process is Hardman's going to have more of a role this year, and yeah, they protected Tyreek like that too. I'm like, I don't think Hardman is going to have the role that Tyreek did or the amount of touches that Tyreek did, but I think he will be more important than he was last year. And so typically, you know, you don't want to necessarily risk him doing punt returns. Whereas 
Sky Moore, you think he's going to have to figure out how to carve a role. Maybe he can he can be the punt returner. But you're right. I, I think it is it it's tough because I think they want Moore to win the job, but they can't put a punt returner out there who can't catch a punt like he can't right. do that. Yeah, that'd be a problem. Right. And it's worth mentioning when I spoke with his uh, position coach from Western Michigan, I asked about that because yeah. he had like five returns in his entire college career. Like it, it was not he did not return the football like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was pretty much just. Well, he was too good for us to put him on special teams. Like, yeah. just, just out hey, of you know what? And that could happen here. Yeah. That could happen here as well. Right. And we could end up with McCole Hardman out there uh, because Moore is so good on offense that McCole Hardman is out there doing it. Yeah. Or, it or could play out that way. I, you know, I've said it before, but McCole thought, okay, I'm finally going to get to eat. Tyreek is <laughs> no longer here. And. Strapping young man, Sky Moore, eating touches, Rutgers own Isaiah Pacheco <laughs> eating touches and might have the same amount of touches he had last year. Who knows? All right. It all starts right on, on Saturday. We're here already. It's the first preseason game. The Kansas City Chiefs playing the Chicago Bears at noon. We will have you covered right here at Arrowhead Pride. Before that, there's another practice on Tuesday and the practice on Thursday. You can keep updated with our training camp reports, both on here, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, and on our website at arrowheadpride.com with quotes and observations. Tomorrow's actually the assistant head, uh, the assistant coach day, which provides uh, a lot of insight into how they're feeling about their particular position group. So keep it locked in for From the Podium from that. If you leave a review, I will read it on this program. The five-star reviews, not those one-star reviews. Let's, let's get rid of those one-star reviews and, and try to go for the five stars. If you leave us five <laughs> stars, I will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show stay locked into the airhead pride podcast network we'll have shows all week we're, we're we're strapping in it's time i mean we are we're in training camp and before we know it, it'll be the regular season so uh subscribe to the airhead pride podcast network if you haven't today all right for john dixon and steve serta thank you to them i'm pete sweeney thank you for listening to another edition of the airhead pride editors show